Welcome to Reframe and Reset Your Career, a podcast to help if you're looking for a job, feeling stuck in your career, or just trying to rediscover your why. I am your host, Harsha Boralesa, and this podcast came from my passion for neuroscience and psychology and their interaction with career and personal development. I will be interviewing recognized experts and successful professionals and asking them to share the insights and strategies that have helped their careers thrive. Implementing change is not easy and does take time, but I do hope that their stories will inspire you on your path to greater success and fulfillment in your career. Here are some highlights of today's episode. It's really important to remember that there are many different paths to get to where you want to go. Life is very much about pushing yourself, uh, taking action and making yourself a little bit uncomfortable. We spend our time avoiding failure as humans. We don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to look stupid. We don't want to feel like we've been rejected. So we don't try. You can think and think and think, but actually you need to execute at some point. Welcome to episode 70 of the Reframe and Reset Your Career podcast. This episode marks the third anniversary of the podcast, and we have a special guest today, Aoife O'Brien, the host of the amazing Happier Work podcast. Aoife has kindly agreed to interview me, and I will be shortly turning things over to her. Please know that in this episode, we may touch on mental health and wellness topics purely in general terms. If you have specific issues or concerns, please contact a suitable professional. Over to you, Aoife. I I love, Harsha, how you introduced me as the guest. I don't feel like the guest today. Well, maybe a very (laughs) special guest because you are kind of the guest on today's episode. How does it feel to have the tables turned? Worrying. (laughs) (laughs) No need to be nervous. No need to be nervous. And as you know yourself, you have been a guest on my podcast, Happier at Work. So it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity to do this. And on my podcast, I also have the tables turned, so I know I know what it feels like to be in that hot seat, but rest assured you are in safe hands. Now, I know one of the first questions that you ask people when they come on to the podcast is about the arts. Because of your huge interest in the arts, do you have a particular film or novel or something that you want to share today that, that's kind of touched you? Well, I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan's films, and my and my favorite film of his is Inception. I, I just, oh sorry. my god! I knew you were going to say that. I love it. Go on. And the really interesting thing about Christopher Nolan is that he has quite a similar background to me in the sense that we both went to boarding schools, English boarding schools, and his is actually um, about an hour's drive away from mine. And it, it's funny how. He has now obviously gone on to Hollywood. He's probably one of the greatest living film directors, both in terms of the, the art he creates and the box office. Yeah. And, and there's a really good book that was written about him, a biography um, about his his films by Tom Schoen. There's one particular scene in Inception where Leonardo DiCaprio is walking around with his wife and they're holding hands. It's sort of like a shot of them in the future and their hands are old. Mm -hmm. And I was always figuring out like who came up with the shot. And actually it was Leonardo DiCaprio, which Mm -hmm. I thought was really interesting how he had that input into that scene. So Christopher Nolan, love him. I'm I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan and Inception is my favourite film too. So it's so interesting that you say that. I absolutely love that film and I could talk about it for hours. I've watched it over and over. I never get bored with it. Um, I'd love to kind of dive into this idea just because you happen to mention that you have a similar background. I suppose, did you ever aspire when you were younger to, given your interest in film and the arts, and given your your kind of describing Christopher Nolan as having gone to Hollywood and become this mega successful film director, was that one of your aspirations when you were younger? I was always interested in creativity and creative arts, but I always believed I was never creative at all. Um, mm. So when I was at uh, school, my uh, the subjects I was good at were the you know maths, physics, and chemistry. Yeah, did economics with accounting at university, and actually, um, what one joke is that my best subject at university, I was at the LSE, was auditing with accountability, which is probably the most boring thing. But I found it completely fascinating, which sort of says something about my psychology. (laughs) 
Yeah. So, so I thought I was not creative at all. And even yeah. now, I don't think I'm p- particularly creative. Yeah. But clearly, I've managed to produce 65 plus podcast episodes, a whole heap of YouTube videos. So yeah. there, there's obviously something there. Um, Absolutely. So it's funny how I think we don't realize what, what we can actually do. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes in life, it's about putting yourself into uncomfortable situations, uh, pushing the boundaries. And actually sometimes then the magic will happen when almost you give yourself the permission to do something. Uh, Whether it works or not is almost irrelevant to some extent. I think life is about taking these small bets. And clearly you don't want to bet the farm on something, but starting a podcast or a YouTube channel, there's not a huge amount of cost. So I think life is very much about pushing yourself, uh, taking action and making yourself a little bit uncomfortable, not hugely, but a little bit. Yeah, no, it's really interesting what you say about creativity, because I, similar to yourself, would never have thought I was a very creative person. Um, I was always good at maths and science, much like yourself. I did do art uh, as part of my leaving cert, which is what we have in Ireland. You have, you have seven subjects at, when you leave school. And I went on to do business because I was a bit more general and I didn't want to go down the maths route because I perceived that as being, a, you know, a maths teacher or engineering because I didn't want to become an engineer. It's only now in retrospect, I can see that if you do a degree like that, those types of skills that you learn and learning how to learn, you can take that with you into loads of other careers so on the creativity thing what I've learned is how we perceive creativity we think it's about just purely creating things but I think sometimes it's taking an idea and and from one part one place and executing it in a different context I think that can be creativity as well because someone pointed that out to me and said you're actually are quite creative because you can take an idea that's not even my own idea, but but just apply it in yeah. a different context. So that could be exactly the same as you, Harsha. We both perceive ourselves as, oh, I'm not actually that creative, but it's how, how do we actually define creativity? So for people listening today, maybe that's a bit of a challenge to yourself. And like, I loved how you described that as well as sometimes we don't realize what we're capable of taking those small bets. And I always like to call it stretching your comfort zone. Um, so it's not about stepping outside your comfort zone because then maybe you'll step right back in again. But if you stretch it by taking those kind of small actions, those small bets as you describe them. So I know there'll be people listening today who've who've been listening to your podcast for a while. There could be some new listeners as well. Do you want to give us a bit of a whistle stop tour of your own career? So I graduated from the LSC with a degree in accounting and, and finance and you know, wanted to get into the big four accounting firms, because I thought that would be a good way of getting a good grounding in in finance. And actually, it was a really good start because you join with um, a lot of different undergraduates who are all sort of from a similar sort of background, and you're not given huge amounts of responsibility to begin with. So it's a sort of an easy introduction to the world of work. Mm. Um, And I started off in audit. But at the time, I wasn't um, very happy with being an auditor, but it's just the easiest way to get into one of these big four accounting firms. So I actually moved over into the uh, one of the tax departments in EY. And the the funny story there, Aoife, was that I before I actually started uh, working at EY, I started learning Japanese because I thought it might be interesting at, at some point later on d- down the line, like you with Spanish and German, you never know where languages can be important. Mm. So I thought I might end up on a Japanese client, but I actually never did during my time at EY. But funny enough, through my uh, Japanese lessons, I met some people in the tax department and that's how I ended up moving in t- into there. And it's funny how sometimes you do these things and yeah, okay, that it was part- partially sort of work driven, but sometimes you see these opportunities which come up and you never know where they will lead you. Um, so even though I, I learned Japanese, it didn't actually directly lead me to a, working on a client, but it led me into tax. And that was a great um, training at, at EY. And then subsequently, I was at PwC. So, um, and you know, was working in tax for a few years. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's interesting. If you keep your eyes open, you will figure out that there are opportunities everywhere. You just have to almost, um, you know, look around and then see them. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. And it, it's really about the connections that you made yeah. quite randomly by doing something that was probably of interest on a personal level, but kind of a little bit driven by work, like as a just in case, but probably something you're like, oh, Japanese, that would be a challenge. But I wanted to pick up on this idea of the big four and this perception, I suppose, as you're leaving university that you wanted to go into the big four. Any thoughts on like, if you looked back now, is that the same direction that like you would give your younger self? With the big four, it is a brand and you do have access to probably the largest clients. So Mm -hmm. I would say from that perspective, it it is definitely um, a good thing to uh, go into if you have the opportunity. But clearly there's a huge amount of competition and every year it seems to be getting fiercer and fiercer because you're not just dealing, say back in the day, it was probably people in in the UK, then it was Europe and now it's a global thing and and everybody wants to come to London as well. So so you have this huge competition going on. So I would definitely say for the brand um, and for the clients and generally you have some very smart people um mm-hmm. joining those companies yeah but clearly look if that doesn't work out then i think the key thing is to get the qualification and then once you have the qualification then you can use that to join uh, a, a larger uh, firm so i think sometimes with careers people they look at it in a very binary way. It's either I've got to get into the big four or my career is finished. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. saying I want to join um, Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs or I can't yeah. work in investment banking. Yeah. And I think sometimes people have to think, look, just start somewhere, just take action, just get experience, just take those small steps. Mm-hmm. And um, there, there are so many people who have started off at places which are – not name universities, um, not name companies, yeah. but they end up in these amazing positions afterwards. Yeah. Um, I, I had one podcast guest who, Professor Thomas Curran, who's the author of The Perfection I Trap. I listened to that episode. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, thank you. Um, and he started off at um, a smaller university, but then 15 years later, he's a professor at the London School of Economics. Yeah. Um, and that's amazing. So I think sometimes people have to think about the long-term arc of their career take these small steps and hopefully if you're proving all the time it will get better and you can get to your dream destination. Yeah I think that's some really solid advice and I know you've talked about this concept of setbacks on the podcast before that we have this fixed idea that if I don't get this and that's it and I, I my dreams are over but I, I love how people can turn it around. We assume that all it takes is this one thing but actually in reality it's a combination of different things and a lot of that will be to do with resilience and and the inner drive that you have to go after what it is that you want and kind of related to that as well sometimes when people arrive where they say they wanted to be they're looking around going it's not doesn't feel how I thought it would or I don't feel worthy or I don't feel I don't feel the way I thought it would feel I don't feel confident doing this whatever it might be and I think it, it, it's really important to remember that there are many different paths to get to where you want to go. And you need to really think about where it is that you want to go. Is that what you want or is that what you think you should do? Is it what someone else wants for you? Is it what someone down the road is doing and you think that they look happy and successful and therefore that's the path that you want to take? So I think there's loads of, of lessons from that. Do you have any particular challenges that you've had in your career that you wanted to kind of talk about? At times, um, I've been in departments where, say, auditing, where I didn't feel that my skills were being uh, fully developed. Mm. And And that's not a knock on auditing. I think sometimes you have to look at yourself, see what your strengths are, yeah. um, how they align with the work. Um, and then see, okay, is this department making the best use of my skill set? Uh, and I felt that at various times there were situations where I was not probably progressing as much as well as I could. And that was partly because there was a misalignment between my skill set and the, the department that I was in. 
Yeah. And when when I was in that situation, rather than sort of sitting back and and just letting things drift, I I, I was very conscious about taking trying to take control of the situation and looking around um, at other different departments and seeing would there be a better fit. Mm-hmm. So from audit, I went into a tax, and then I was in one area of tax, and then I moved into another area of tax, and that was because I made a conscious effort to try and move. And I think it's important, say, for careers in general, rather than letting them drift along, you need to take agency, you need to take control. Obviously, you can't do this in an unpleasant way. You have to be a good team player. But on the other hand, you almost have to think of yourself as a a, a company and you you have a limited amount of time. You're trying to grow the company. How do you best use your assets in the most productive way um it's almost like startup mentality which one of my guests jeff got has talked about no i i love that i've had that same issue myself at work where i was working in a department that exactly that it, it wasn't capitalizing on my skills and i look back and i think i actively made that decision for myself because it meant a promotion of sorts and that's why i decided to do it but i love how you articulated it as well Harsha because you're talking about well, you need to have an alignment with the what's required in the role and the skills that you have and when you don't have that it's really hard to perform your best and when you're not performing yep. your best your boss might be reluctant to promote you to recommend you for a different department because they just assume well hey, this guy doesn't know what he's doing or he's not that good or whatever it might be when the reality is you're just in the wrong environment at that time so Again, from a leader's perspective and from an individual's perspective, it's so important to think about these things and to openly talk about strengths, because I think it's not something that we talk an awful lot about at work. We might have a vague idea of what our personal strengths are from what we excelled at in school, for example. But sometimes things that come really easily and naturally to us, we don't realize that that's a strength that we have. So just a reminder to people to bring it back to your strengths, focus on your strengths Um. Is there any advice that you'd give to your younger self having had that span of a career already? It's really about taking agency and not yeah. waiting for things to happen. Um, yeah. Because sometimes you think your manager knows exactly how your career arc should play out. But clearly that 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 just can't be the case because, you know, he has his own work to deal with. He probably has to deal with his own boss um, and he probably has other uh, people to look after. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very much about taking control of your own career management and um, not waiting for the uh, appraisal. You, you've you lost time. So say if you want to get different work, you've already lost six months or a year. So yeah. I think constantly be asking yourself, am mm-hmm. I uh, being utilized in, in the proper way? Now, clearly, look, you can't, the whole point about work is that you get paid to work. So there's a, a, a an economic transaction going on. So every day at work is not going to be the most fulfilling. But on the other hand, if you are uh, conscious of how your career is developing, then you can take control. You can you have great agency. You can try and steer it in you know to working on a particular team or uh, on particular projects, rather than waiting for that to happen. Um, and from my perspective, I must admit I probably was a bit of a pain. I you know, I used to you know not constantly badger my managers, but you know I was asking them uh, you know can I work on this project, and then maybe if it wasn't working out, I used to try and uh, go and speak to people in other departments obviously there was you know nothing underhanded going on about that but clearly you're trying to see are there opportunities in in other places and i think if you take the agency there to go and speak to other people Mm -hmm. um and clearly you you take care of the work that you're doing anyway then potentially opportunities will come up and the funny thing is that i've been speaking to these people in another department for uh, what I thought was months. And then I thought, oh, there's no way I, I'm going to move. Um, and they weren't particularly uh, encouraging. And then funny enough, what happened was somebody ended up going on maternity leave. So there was a spot in that department. You never know how the opportunities are going to come up, whether it's mm. Japanese or people going on maternity cover. You just yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. No, I love that. And I think this idea of agency is so important. Uh, I know certainly in my own career, 
we were never taught how to manage our careers effectively. And the assumption always was that the company that you're working for provides you with opportunities or as an individual, you have to wait until there's a gap somewhere that you can't just craft something for yourself that actually allows you to work most of the time. And and you were saying earlier that, you know, you're not going in every day and you're going to feel fulfilled. But actually, if you're happy at work 80% of the time then that's good and maybe 20% of the time you're doing something that's a bit boring or you're not working on your skills whatever it might be but it's so important for people to remember that your boss has their job to do and if you take one thing off their plate and that's looking after your career because they're like you say they're managing upwards they're managing downwards and they're managing themselves in terms of their own career as well so if you can be proactive and take those conversations to your boss and say listen these are my strengths. Uh, these are the areas I'm really interested in developing. These are the kind of opportunities that I'll be looking out for. These are the conversations that I've had. So they can at least be aware that if those conversations come up at their level, they are able to bring up your name, mention your name in a, in a room full of opportunities, as they say. So I think oftentimes we limit ourselves by thinking the company is going to manage our career for us or they're going to provide this lovely path for us to follow when that's not necessarily the case. And I would even challenge people to think a bit broader in terms of their career where you don't have to limit yourself to the organization that you're currently working in. You can think about your career as this huge thing. I loved how you described it as being like, it's like a a company that you manage and what are the resources that you have and what are the things that you do best and you have a limited amount of time. So how long would people spend in their careers? Maybe 45 years, something like that. So you want to kind of get the most of your time during that time. Similar to yourself, I was highly ambitious as well. I probably wasn't taking it to the level of of kind of badgering other people, but I certainly had <laughs> conversations where I was like, and this is where I want to go. But I probably didn't know strategically how to, to manage that. Any advice for people on thinking more strategically maybe about their careers? So if we think of it as a startup that is going to go for 45 years and how best to manage that? Yeah, and actually one point I forgot to mention was that uh, as you're going along in your career, it's really helpful to actually note down all your achievements in the sense of your CV shouldn't be something you just have to get out of the cupboard when you're looking for a new job or um, you're looking for a promotion. As you go along, make sure you note down, okay, I, I, I worked with this client, they said I did a good job or I increase sales on this client by X amount, because it's very difficult to remember every single detail at the end of the year. Um, And also it will help your uh, appraisal as well, that if you keep it um, as a living document rather than trying to update it at the last minute. A hundred percent. I used to have a reminder in my calendar every month to update like, oh, have a think now, like what were your achievements this month and think of it in achievements, because I think oftentimes we focus on what are the tasks of the role? No one's interested in what the tasks are. And if your if your job title makes enough sense, they'll get a sense or, and you're applying for a similar role or a level above or whatever it might be. They'll know kind of what the day to day tasks are. What they want to know is what do you do that's different how can you have an impact on the team that in a way that other people can't? So what are the strengths that you bring? What are the results that you've achieved in in the roles that you've already been in? Going back to that idea of having a reminder in my calendar, to be perfectly frank, every time the reminder came up, I was like, I'll look at that next month. I don't (laughs) want to worry about it now. So I get the day-to-day realities. You know, it's not just like, oh, I'll tell people to do this. It's hard to do. It's hard to carve out that time to actually reflect on what your achievements are. But it's it makes such a difference when it comes to those end of year conversations, when it comes to updating your CV, if it's time to kind of brush off your CV, like you say. Um, So I would encourage people to carve out that time, whatever that means to you. Is it taking 10 minutes a week? Is it taking an hour every month to say, okay, let's have a look through my emails from clients that I got good feedback or creating a feedback folder in your emails, whatever it might be. I I love that. (laughs) Absolutely love that. And and each of the other things I would say is also have some stories, because I think one point that um, a guest made to me was that the way you can distinguish yourself from other people is having really interesting stories and saying, well, 
Um, I was in a challenging moment. Um, this is how I dealt with it. So you can show your leadership credentials. Maybe you're under severe pressure to deliver something. This is how I dealt with it. If you can come up with a unique story. Mm. And I remember once we were working on a transaction and it was getting towards the year end. And then um, we needed some people to do something in a, in a different department. Yeah. Um, but because, uh, and, and it was quite a pressurized situation, but we managed to, talk them through this thing and and make them realize look it wasn't as difficult as they thought it would be so you know that there's a story there that you can say well okay we managed a a potentially tricky situation it was getting towards christmas and they've got they're thinking about their christmas holidays that seems like a 2024 problem is that what you're trying to say yeah they're kind of like i'm not taking on any more work between now and and one month from now it's like that's getting pushed out to january no matter what you say um brilliant i'm hearing so much more about career stories and the power of stories in general for getting our point across and something that I've started doing myself as a podcast guest so being a guest on other people's podcasts is thinking more about the stories that I want to I want to share and relating them to very specific topics and very specific ideas so you've given me an idea now in relation to my career stories and how I can bring more of my career stories not necessarily just to podcast but to any sort of social it could be social media it could be um helping other people to understand what their stories are certainly I've had conversations with people when it prepping for interviews this is a good few years back now I don't really do that stuff anymore but um helping them to understand well what are the stories that they would use in various different situations and i think if you can document that somewhere it makes things much much easier for you then to remember them to access them and then to share the results from those stories as well so the result is that we got this work done ahead of christmas and not not having to wait till after christmas or we brought in the revenue you know in 2023 instead of in 2024 whatever that might be so so absolutely love that I suppose that was there any particular reason for you then to start this podcast? What was the real catalyst well, behind that? Well, it, it funny, funny enough, Eva, it was a very, it's a very circuitous story, but it, 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 I'll give you a quick summary yeah. of it. I don't mind. So, I don't um, mind. It really started off trying to improve my decision making. And then I started getting, getting interested in things like Daniel Kahneman, yeah. Yeah, thinking fast yeah, and slow yeah. um, and, and neuroscience. And I, I started going to some neuroscience lectures and really got into the whole idea of, yeah, our brain, we have all these things from the past when we were, you know, back on the plains of Africa. So the whole flight or fight syndrome. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and really, I think if you can understand how we've evolved as human beings, then you can put almost uh, things in place to understand what is your base level of being and how can you almost manage that um, and try and uh, so say if you've got a, a skill in a particular area you try and major on that if you're not so good in a particular area you maybe have things that you put in place to give you assistance maybe you've got a friend or a colleague who can help you out so essentially really started getting into sort of neuroscience and psychology. And I actually started thinking about developing an app. Uh, and I started designing it uh, on this great tool called Figma. Um, but clearly with apps, you need a lot of money and yeah. you know, advertising, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then I thought, look, what's a better way of trying? friends about it and yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no, totally, yeah. So then I thought, I've got all this knowledge. How can I try and share it? Mm. And then I thought, oh, um, a podcast, that's an yeah. interesting thing to do. And like a lot of people during lockdown, didn't have a lot to do. I recorded an episode with a friend. It went quite well. And uh, uh, you realize that actually this podcasting gig is simply a conversation between two people and trying to develop uh, some sort of chemistry. And I quite like talking to people. Uh, it's funny because when I was younger, I was not a big talker. Mm. Uh, my mom is an amazing talker. She can talk and talk and talk. Yeah. Um, but I was not of that you know ilk but clearly there's a genetic thing so (laughs) that's obviously come out now so i I quite enjoy talking to people even though i'm I'm an introvert and that's essentially how the podcast came about and it's really trying to share information it's about trying to empower people because i think both of our the work that we're doing it's all about empowerment trying to take control you know it's like you have you you want to surf the wave rather than be you know drowned by it and i think if you can um take that sort of front foot take that step forward that's much more powerful and and if sorry one thing i forgot to mention when i was young 
I played a lot of sport and technically I'm a professional sportsman with a very short career. Um, <laughs> but but the, but the reason why I mentioned that is that I've been very interested in performance and performance development and how yeah. to get the best out of yourself. And some of the people that I, I played with have gone on to sort of play international uh, cricket. So even though I wasn't at that level, I saw what it took to you know, the sacrifices, the commitment, the discipline. And yeah. I think all those things are equally applicable to your working situation. Yeah. Um, but you're just under a lot less pressure and it's a lot, yeah. lot less visible. But I yeah. think there are a lot of these things where you can take, and it doesn't necessarily have to be sport. You could be a great um, uh, uh, musician and the work that you have to do, the practicing, the dedication, you can apply that um, uh, to your working life. You could be a great artist. You could be a great actor. Any of these things, I think, where you you have to get to high levels of achievement, there are these transferable skills. And I think people should actually look at their sort of backstory and, and see, look, there are these things which you can transfer. And, and I think a lot of people don't actually do that enough, see where there are the parts of their life which they can bring into their working life. Yeah, no, you're so right. I'd love to know the big things that you've learned about performance then in in the time that you've kind of started looking at that area it's an area I'm I'm really interested in myself and trying to understand this idea of our potential what potential do we have inside and how do we know when we realize that potential uh, you know so any any insights that you have to share around that idea of performance or potential or how, how they relate to each other one of the key things is is managing failure because I think in, in our lives, with our personal lives, our working lives, you're always going to experience failure. And just yeah, if you flip it around, just imagine a life where you didn't experience failure. That would be incredibly boring in a way that yeah. you're achieving. And actually the, the achievement is much sweeter because you've had the grind, you've had the disappointment. So yeah. in a way, I think... Uh, having that mindset where you accept the failure is part of life. And I think if you're trying to say you're trying to push failure away, that's a, it, it, it's not a good headspace I think to be in. Yeah. I mean, clearly you don't want to be having failures every day, but I think you do have to accept failure is part of progress. Yeah. And sometimes the job that you didn't get, that may, means that you will get the job that you should get. And I remember when I was um, applying for uh, graduate opportunities with the big four, um, and in those days, there were a few more of the big four than there are now. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I got rejected by a few places. And literally, EY was you know, the, the only shot left. Uh, and I managed to get it. And not that I didn't interview well with the other places, but you know, whatever I did at EY, they, they liked it. And, you know, looking back, that was probably the best firm for me at that time. And it was a nice culture. So I think sometimes when you say to yourself, well, um, yeah, I didn't get that opportunity and you sort of sit and stew and you ruminate, yeah. actually, you've got to look forward and not back. So yeah. I definitely think things like you know, um, failure, getting comfortable, failure, then I think it's important to take action. Now, yeah. sometimes you're not exactly sure what you should be doing, but thinking about it too much, I think personally is not always the best thing. So I'm not saying, as we were talking about, don't bet the farm, but take these small steps. Yeah. So maybe if you're not happy where you are, look outside. Can you do a little course in a different area? Can you start going to some networking events in the evening? Um, and there are, there are a multitude of things that you can do to try and help you almost like break the the log jam that you're in. Another thing I think, don't compare yourself to other people yeah. because it's so easy to say, oh, that person is is in, in my peer, peer group. She's got this amazing job. Why aren't I getting it? Um, what you need to do is compare yourself to yourself a week ago or a month ago. And as long as you're improving, as long as you're getting better, you, you never know. They could have had a lucky break. Maybe they've got some contacts that you don't have. Um, you just never know. Um, yeah. And also there could be a downside from working in, in certain companies. Um, so, yeah, don't don't compare yourself. So yeah. those are just a few thoughts. Yeah, no, no, I love that. And I think the idea of failure is, is it's kind of a tricky topic. And I think a lot of the times we spend our time avoiding failure as humans. We don't want to make mistakes. We don't want to look stupid. We don't want to 
feel like we've been rejected so we don't try and sometimes we reject ourselves so I I don't tend to use the term failure but I think it's more of a common term that people use and I know certainly in Adam Grant's newest book he has this idea this concept that I've heard of before so I'll, I'll share the the idea first that um that I heard I think it was on another podcast or an audiobook I remember exactly where I was when I heard it yeah. and it just rang so true and it was this idea of seeing how many no's you can get in a day and this was in a in a sales context so the more no's you get the more yeses you're going to get it just means yeah. that you've tried that bit more and if you gamify it if you turn it into some sort of a, a, a game it you try and outdo yourself by getting the most number of no's and by getting so many no's you're going to get way more yeses than you ever had before and um adam grant in his newest book he talks about it as the mistake quota so you give yourself a quota every day of making mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes and you were saying that like you don't you don't want to fail every day but what if you set set yourself up to make mistakes every day and by making mistakes it's a case that you've tried something that you've never done before or you've reached out to someone or you've you've tried some you know you basically just tried something new um so i i love that idea of just being aware of failure and where we're holding ourselves back, whether it's through fear or whether we're ruminating, like I have a tendency to do that. Oh, I got rejected by that. I was just reminded of this phrase. It's not rejection, it's redirection. So exactly as you were saying, you get rejected by one company, but actually it's redirecting you to a company maybe that is a better cultural fit for you right now. So I love all these ideas. And then the comparing yourselves to others. Again, I think this is a natural thing as humans. We tend to want to like look at what your man down the road is doing yeah. or, um, oh, she's in my peer group and well, she's earning way more money than I am. How is that happening? <laughs> or, But what we don't see is the behind the scenes. We don't see what's going on for them. We don't see how they feel about where they are right now. Maybe they're feeling really insecure. Maybe they're feeling really stressed. Maybe they feel in over their head whatever it might be but we don't see that necessarily we we know how we feel internally but but what we see of other people is just whatever they're projecting outwards in terms of this comparing yourself to yourself from a few years ago again that reminded me of a, another phrase that I've come to learn about which is this idea of an away move and a towards move so are you moving in the direction towards where you want to be or or have you noticed maybe you're drifting in a different direction and you're kind of going in an, in an away direction now so I think it's really useful so even when we compare ourselves to ourselves, it's not necessarily I'm comparing myself to a few months ago and I'm performing better, but am I making more of a move towards where it is that I want to be? Or have I noticed that I've gone off track a little bit and I'm kind of moving away and I'm going, I'm chasing after a shiny object or I'm comparing myself to someone else and doing more of what I perceive success to be because they look like they're successful, but it's not necessarily success on my terms. There are some of the things that kind of came up for me when you were talking through that. Does that resonate with you as well? Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I, I think that whole idea of, you know, you can have a North Star and you try and move towards it. Mm. Uh, and I think you should always be checking in. Am I going towards that or should I be going towards a new North Star? Yes. Or is that new North Star just a shiny object? Um, <laughs> but 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 also I think you also need to think about how you think internally, because mm. I think a lot of people, they're, they're doing these things because maybe there's something within them where they're not happy about certain things and they're trying to do these things to make up for perceived exactly. uh, inadequacies. Yeah, um, and clearly neither of us, of us are psychologists, so this is not any sort of you know, psychiatry or, or psychology, but it's a personal observation. And yeah. I do think that if you can get happier about yourself and happier about what you're doing, it definitely flows out to other people. And hopefully, I say with the podcast that we're both doing, Hopefully it comes through that we enjoy this. This is something, you know, podcasting, there's no money in it, but we yeah. do because we enjoy it. We enjoy exactly. talking to people. Yeah. We enjoy yeah. actually learning. And yeah. actually one interesting thing, if I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but when you're trying to uh, express an idea, you can have it in your head, but it's only when you try and articulate it that yeah. you really think through it. You know, does it make sense? And you know, forget about a podcast interview, but say, 
uh, if you're trying to explain your career strategy to somebody else and saying, okay, I want to get to, you know, I'm an accountant now, I want to be a financial director in five years' time. What is that arc? What are the steps that you have to make? Um, and clearly, if you haven't thought through that, then there's a gap in the logic. Uh, yeah. And this can apply to any any sort of job. So you can't go from you know a lowly position to an amazing position overnight, yeah. um, unless you're a Instagram influencer or something like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, but in a normal professional context, you have to make these small steps. Um, and it's just yeah. getting better uh, in, in small increments over time. Um, and I think mm. if you can break it down like that and say, look, this is these are steps I need to take. These are the departments that I want to work in. This is the experience I need. If you do all those things, uh, if you don't get it in that firm, maybe uh, all the experience you've had will allow you to go off somewhere else yeah. and to uh, a, a firm which is a better fit. Yeah. So I don't think there's any harm in acquiring new skills, getting experience, because it's all leading you somewhere. Mm, it's such a good point, I think, and thinking about where it is that you want to go and being realistic about that. So I'll share again a personal example of this, of when I was working in corporate and I was like, do you know what? I, I quite like the idea of being CEO of this company. You know, this is a huge global organization. Uh, quite like the idea. I'd love to be CEO one day, but I didn't, I never really thought about the practical steps that it would take to get there. And from my own observation of what people who are at very senior levels in that organization did, like they worked in emerging economies, for example. So they uh, so so I know some people who would have gone to Asia, for example, to work there um, to South America and things like that. And having that experience from all over the world and running those as business units and then coming back to kind of more of a uh, global hub like say London or somewhere in the States to run the organization from there and then that's kind of how you progress but if I thought about that realistically would I want to take those steps in order to achieve what it was that I wanted which was a CEO position it kind of calls into question do I really want to have that role as CEO and do I want to take those necessary steps in order to get there or do I just want it because wow being CEO that's a huge ego boost and that sounds incredible and all of these things so I think again <clears throat> to your point about thinking about what is it that you want and what are the steps to get there if you haven't mapped that out and if those steps are not things that you really want to do in order to get to where it is you say you want to go then do you really want to get to where it is you want to go or are you thinking about that from another particular reason is it something that that you want to kind of um show people that other people that you can do or whatever that might be so i think it's really really important to address those things we're kind of coming up to the end of the podcast, Harsha, and I know we haven't talked yet about any of the learnings that you've had on the podcast this year. I've listened to quite a few episodes. I think they're hugely insightful. They're so practical. What are some of the key takeaways that you have? Well, one thing that has come across up a lot is the whole idea of job search mindset, that yeah, if you say yeah. lose a job and think, well, you know, and you, you need to move, the first thing you need to do is get your head straight um, and because sometimes it could be that you've been worn down, you're in a difficult situation. So give yourself uh, some time to grieve, whether it's a week or a month. I mean, clearly you can't take years, but you need to be in a better space because you know how it is. Aoife. If you meet somebody who's um, enthusiastic, who's excited about life, it does make such a difference that, and that yes. comes across in an interview. Yeah. So I think you need to figure out a way to get to that. If you're feeling down, you need to figure out a way to get yeah. to that situation yeah, yeah. Um, and then things like managing failure I think that's a, a constant theme that has also come up yeah. uh, and, and say if you're getting rejected um, in an interview or not even get an, getting an application I think that the whole idea of gamifying the process um, yeah. which you've talked about you yeah, have a spreadsheet um, look at all the the yeses you're getting yes it could be that you've got invited to an interview it could be that you've got your uh, application uh, accepted it could be that you've created a a new connection on LinkedIn. 
in. Always try and look for the positives, and and even if they're negatives, um, it it means that you know, say uh, you have to go through. Uh, 50 um, applications to get to your job. If you've got 45, then it means that you, you're know, done and out of the way. It means you're that much closer to, you know, the probabilities are working in your favor. Yeah. So I think that whole job search mentality, having a, a process, I think is, is so powerful. A few interesting things that have come from recent episodes. So Vanessa Patrick, Professor Vanessa Patrick talks about love, the power. I love that. Yeah, no, she's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the power of saying no. And, and that's a really interesting idea in the sense that look at yourself have that value for your own time and i think a lot of people are quite um happy to go with whatever people ask them and that's because they don't want to be seen to be rocking the boat but actually what you have to say to yourself is no my time is valuable i have you know 45 hours 50 hours in a week which i can devote to these various topics if i'm doing things like organizing the staff christmas party mm-hmm. or doing other non-promotable tasks unless that's directly linked to my promotion you have to say well i've done it once I, why can't you know fred why can't one of the men do it yeah. <laughs> it's usually they're the, it they're the guys who skulk. yeah exactly <laughs> which is completely wrong and and the funny thing uh if on my podcast for some reason the majority of my listeners are female i mean yeah. clearly they're, same, they're far same as mine yeah, yeah, they're, yeah they're far more intelligent they can obviously recognize good things like oh, both that, that's i yeah. love that yeah like you're thinking <laughs> but, but funny enough i thought i was making a podcast for myself so clearly <laughs> there's something going on there which yeah. i need to dig into <laughs> But I think you know, for our sort of female listeners out there, it's very much a question of uh, you know, take control, empower yourself. Um, and, and clearly, look, we're, we're not suggesting there are any silver bullets which will take you to that destination. But I think it's that whole idea of taking agency, taking control. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm not a guru. None of us are gurus. And we can say, look, this is the path to success. But yeah. I think what we're saying is, look, here are some ideas see what works, see what resonates with you. you Yeah, a framework. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So so it's really about suggesting to our listeners, look, these are things that have worked for other people. They may or may not work with you, but clearly you need to figure out what uh, applies to you, how it meshes with your own personality. But then also the whole idea of execution, because I think you can think and think and think, but actually you need to execute at some point. And it's this whole idea of, taking small bets, managing the risk, you know, not betting the farm. You can do things on the side. Uh, you can uh, start a, a new hobby. Both for me, I'd, I'd love to reiterate a few things that you've brought up there, this job search mindset. And if I think of my my own self in my career and I've been made redundant a couple of times but I really am thinking about the toxic when I was in a toxic environment yes. and I was desperate to get out. And I think it's really hard to be positive and to find that positivity when you're in that and you're, you're you just can't wait to get out of that environment but i think taking some time out to really assess and address your mindset is so so important in that i love the idea of having a spreadsheet and gamifying the process i just yeah. i think that's just a brilliant idea um having value for our own time then oftentimes we get caught up in people pleasing and saying yes and for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode with vanessa patrick to go and check it out she has some really really practical tips for what you can do um definitely taking control don't wait for someone else to hand something to you on a plate and say oh here's your next promotion opportunity or here's your next job opportunity it's your responsibility no one else is going to do that for you um and then this idea of rather than thinking and planning actually take action do something even if it's a small thing what is one small thing and you know we talked about the different frameworks and things like that for yourself for this is for listeners today identify just one thing that you can do what is that one thing maybe that is updating your cv maybe it's updating your linkedin maybe it's reaching out to a former colleague what is that one thing that you can do to start taking action and it doesn't have to be this huge thing like the huge thing is i want a new job and i want to change role but there's loads of small steps that go into doing that so identify that first step for you i think is so so important harsha that's kind of brings us to the end of the conversation today is there anything else that you want to add or get across that that maybe people that you think people should know about you well, well actually one one final thing is that a book that always comes up in in my podcast is um 
Dr. Robert Cialdini uh, influence. You know, yes. I just love that book. And I think if you can figure out a way of, you know, building connections with people, um, say you're meeting them for the first time, that whole idea of getting, you know, you can't force people to like you, but it's trying to you know, figure out, do you have connections? Do you have commonalities? Mm-hmm. And I think that is so powerful. And you should never underestimate people liking you. A lot of the breaks I got, clearly you have to be competent, but people also have to like you. You can't sort of manipulate people to do that. They, But you can build these relationships. And I think you should never underestimate that whole idea of liking and yeah. why people like you, why they get on. So I think, you know, that's something I would I'd like to just emphasize that, yeah. you know, do read, do read his books um, because yeah. there's some great value there. Yeah, no, I love that concept because oftentimes I hear people saying and using this as an excuse as well is what other people think of you is none of your business, but actually other people make decisions about you all the time that impact on your career. So that likability factor showing up as your authentic self doesn't mean that you can treat people really poorly. It's yeah. it's showing up as your authentic <laughs> self in a positive way, you know, exactly. not bringing all the baggage with you as well. But yeah. um, it's such an important thing. And I just made a note. So don't underestimate the power of being like such a powerful thing I think to to leave today's podcast episode on thank you Harsha I absolutely so enjoyed this conversation and hopefully listeners have a much better insight into you and your background and your thoughts on on all of these topics so really appreciate that thank you Oh, brilliant. And and even one final thing before we do finish, how can people get in touch with you? Because clearly you have an amazing podcast. You're happy, happy at work. Yeah. Uh, you've got your website. Uh, clearly, I'll make sure all your contact details are in the show notes. But, yeah. you know, um, how, how can people get in touch with I you? Would, and Yeah, I would say two things for that. So since you're listening to the Happier at Work, sorry, since you're listening to <laughs> a podcast today, since you're listening to a podcast today, search for Happier at Work wherever you are listening to your podcast and you'll find it. I have a YouTube channel as well, and I know you do. So for anyone who's watching this, you can search Happier at Work HQ. I'm most active on LinkedIn. Um, I'm quite active there. I really enjoy it as a community. Uh, So reach out to me there and I will spell my name because for anyone who is not an Irish speaker (laughs) or doesn't live in Ireland, maybe you don't know how to spell it. So it's pronounced Aoife and it's spelled A-O-I-F-E. And my surname is O'Brien. There will be a few of us, but if you search Aoife or Happier at Work, you should find me. Fantastic. So um, I'll make sure all your details in the show notes. And for our listeners out there, there's plenty of value uh, in Aoife's work. And I love being on her podcast. And today has been so much fun, Aoife. We could have had a a part two, part three, but unfortunately, time is limited. (laughs) Um, But thank you once again. And yeah, next year. And wishing you well from London. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening and staying to the end. That was such a fun interview. If you'd like to listen to more episodes, please subscribe to the podcast, which is available on your favorite providers, and subscription is free. If you wish to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, please take a look at the show notes, which are available online. Thanks once again for listening. Wishing you success with your career. I hope you will join me again in the future.